Welcome to On Time in Full, a podcast from Designed Conveyor Systems. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of On Time in Full, the podcast where we dive deep into the supply chain with a special focus on the retail sector. So I'm your host for today, Gabrielle, and right now we have an incredible guest who's going to be giving us almost a masterclass of sorts on integration partnerships in the supply chain. So please give a warm welcome to Jeremy Davidson, who's bringing us his expertise in distribution and fulfillment market from his role in sales leadership. So Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Gabby. Absolutely. So can you tell us just a little bit about your background and provide some of your experience with our audience? Sure. I've had a wonderful experience over the last really 30 years working in this industry with a lot of really interesting clients working on complex distribution challenges. It's where that experience, I will unpack that today on this topic. But I enjoy uh, going through the life cycle of distribution projects from design all the way through implementation, go live support, and making sure that people are ready to operate automation in today's economy. So we do a lot of fun work. Look forward to sharing that. Absolutely. Well, today's conversation is just jam-packed with insights, but what we're really going to dig into is what's behind an integration partner's motives and just why identifying partners with a win-win approach is so very crucial. So let's start with this. Um, What do you mean when we talk about an integration partner's real motivation? What does that mean? Yeah, you just want to see people that are coming together in the industry succeed. So in our, our format, um, you know, the idea of the value of integration is you're pulling together people, systems, equipment, processes, and you're trying to define those together. So when we talk about partnerships and what is our motivations, it's really trying to de- define for both parties, what is the desired outcome? Motivation meaning, you know, understanding uh, a company's internal goals, understanding a supplier partner's business principles, understanding what um, each party has learned uh, from past experiences walking into a project, and really um, even down to ownership structures of integration companies and what are the the motivations for not only a year from now, but three to five years from now. At the end of the day, what you're really trying to find is some really good transparency, some really good high fidelity in those early discussions so many times you can kind of start slow, but then move fast later on in the project, as opposed to maybe miscommunicate on the front end and get surprised, uh, potentially even slowed in through the course of the project. You want you want to try to be as um, clear and concise on the front end as possible. Well, why is this such a crucial aspect for businesses to identify partners like this with a win-win approach? You know, unfortunately, Gabby, in our industry, a lot of times projects do suffer. Um, And a lot of most of our experience and our uh, case studies suggest there's really a couple core reasons for that. It's missed expectations or poor communications of those expectations from either party on the front end of working together. Um, Usually, um, if parties can work together early on a framework and how they're going to handle situations, we work in a complex industry with uh, integration projects. So many times it's really about how you're going to handle issues as they arise, because they inevitably will, uh, and how you're going to work through those together. 
So, um, you know, any difficult situation in our experience can be solved by an effective steering team, an empowered and accountable project team, and clearly defined roles and responsibilities. So an important factor to all this we're discussing is just the essence of trust. So how do you define trust in the context of integration partnerships? You know, what I've learned from my clients is they teach me what trust means and they teach us. And I think if you talk a lot of folks in our industry, they would share that uh, experience as well. Trust really can be broken down into um, reliability. It can be broken down into, you know, the truth uh, can be broken down into, you know, uh, an honest assessment of capabilities. So reliability means is your say do ratio high? Uh, so much of this is based on action because a lot of what we do is to get results and projects. Um, it's less about the talk once projects get started. It's all, it's really all about action. The other part is the truth is uh, making sure that when we think about you know uh, going through a process together, is either party willing? Do they have the courage to pause to recalibrate and get things right? So. Are people honest? Uh, we have an expression in the industry which says, you know, bad news doesn't get better with age. So let's be um, uh, courageous enough to call a timeout, recalibrate, um, reset a process together. And then capabilities overall, I think it's very easy to just talk about products and services and do the checkbox. Um, it's much harder to dig in and understand what um, what the teams are really capable of in terms of handling uh, systems and complex problems. That's what I would so, say. No, it's excellent advice. And, you know, from your perspective, just what are some of the telltale signs that indicate a partner's motivation um, that might align well with yours? How can you tell that? Yeah, I think one, one, one that comes quickly to mind would be um, how does a client feel about uh, operational readiness? We deal so much with automated material handling equipment. And sometimes the industry is prone to getting uh, diverted by the latest uh, shiny technology or new technology class of products that's coming out. And they tend to lose sight of or get distracted and think about how ready is my team to adopt and transition to this new state of equipment, new state of technology. That would be maybe one telltale sign. Another kind of revealing aspect in a telltale sign is always recommend early on in a process, maybe even before a project forms, and you're just trying to think about the chemistry in a potential partner. So doing the work early on to conduct interviews, and I really encourage face-to-face sit-downs with a client team and a service provider team uh, to really understand uh, and learn from each other's experiences um, and to see and, and assess, you know, the chemistry between the two companies, as opposed to waiting too far down the road and you're in a crunch and a timeline, you're just trying to make a decision quick. I think you can learn so much through those interviews. And I think the other part is, you know, where I would think um, the really important, it sounds simple, it can be difficult to do is to just really sit down and say, what do we need as an organization and put it side by side on a whiteboard, on a one piece of paper and have a discussion with your service provider. What do they want? And just to see how well they, um, you know, once it's written down and it's clear, it's but both sides really have a hard time missing each other. And then they can work through how well those 
two needs are aligned. Those are really the, the telltale signs. Well, now everyone wants a successful partnership. That's important to any collaboration. So how does a company ensure that both they and their partners equally benefit uh, from a collaboration they're approaching? Yeah. So if you're the sourcing company, right, clearly defining your outcome desired is what I really encourage clients to take their own time and their own discovery process to articulate and then to communicate that out to the industry. So these are usually done under non-disclosure and, you know, information is protected, but being very clear on what you expect three to five years from now, not so much, but it does include what you expect during the course of the project itself. So that's on the company that's looking for the service provider. On the service provider, you know, themselves, I think it's, um, you know, really being honest about is this work that can my people can get excited about, right? It helps them grow in their career. It helps them develop in their career path. Um, you know, being uh, willing to say this is a modest and competitive profit that we're trying to achieve in this business. Um, and I think understanding is the sourcing company willing to, you know, meet those obligations. And really, um, for the company that's going to produce the work as the service provider, you know, are they going to be able to leverage that work moving forward in the form of uh, referenceable work, using it as credentials as they look to expand their business in the future? So having um, the ability to produce case studies, site tours as the result of doing the work on behalf of the client. Well, let's talk a little bit more about mistakes that come to these relationships. Um, maybe when you approach a company and maybe uh, didn't gauge their motivation correctly. So where would you say uh, most companies tend to slip up when gauging the motivation of their potential partners? I think a lot of companies just assume, and it's human nature, that by getting this project and by we all distribute and design work for things that you and I buy in the ever in our day-to-day -day lives, whether that's groceries and shoes and other components. So, you know, these are strong brands that have brand promises. And so the assumption is, well, if you get my project and you're able to, you know, reference my brand and your work, um, then that is something that, you know, would be a motivation for, you know, you as a company servicing us. And to a degree that is correct. Um, what we are seeing certainly in, in this industry is the motivation and where people sit in terms of true software performance, handling complex projects and processes, uh, being able to work with um, a good team environment. There's a lot of softer, if you will, more qualitative reasons why your service provider might be motivated to work with your company. So seeking to get a better understanding, seeking to understand from your service provider what motivates them uh, is really important. Likewise, I would say for the service provider to maybe move beyond uh, maybe the rose-colored glasses, if you will, of just getting the next new project. We work in a project-based industry, but to slow down and be honest enough about, can I really understand what this client's true motivations are? It might be for service levels. It might be to increase their brand promise. So that as you make decisions through the course of the project, when you're faced with tough situations or not all the information, do you have some guiding principles that guide you through, is this affecting what my client's true motivations are?
Well, we can always learn a little bit of something from the past. So just what are some of the pivotal lessons that people have learned uh, you've seen from past integration partnerships? Um, maybe things that, uh, lessons that should have been uh, learned a little bit sooner. What, what are some things that just are top of mind for you there? We're talking today mostly about, you know, how to find a win-win partnership. So the lessons learned have really come from, one would be in the past, it's been very effective uh, to just talk about my size and scale as a service provider. So my headcount, uh, the size revenue of the company, my geographical breadth and depth um, in which I operate and conduct business. Where um, that tends to uh, create an issue is in today's market, um, what, we, what we're seeing is it's really a people business. So people travel around the industry. So what is a project that was done three to five years ago? Those people, their experiences now might not be at the company any longer and may need to be looked at in terms of what project team am I really getting on this initiative? So kind of double clicking down is the suggestion I have, you know, for clients that are out looking at the market. The second thing is on, you know, the references. So um, a lot of people do um, the due diligence, which is a correct process to go through and understand, hey, did, does this company, did they help you with the project? Does it sound like ours? But maybe going through um, a more robust uh, discussion process, what we're what were the lessons learned you had on your side? If you had something you could do all over again and working with this service provider, what would you do? What were the what were the insights you gained? So taking that reference check a step further has been something that um, we try to help folks think through a misconception. Um, it becomes more of an interview and less of just a, a reference check. And I think the other maybe misconception is the idea of just by putting two companies together, we're going to create a different result. And I think that's where the chemistry lies. If you in meeting with a service provider and you're the sourcing entity or the client buying the goods or services are left with a feeling after even a short interaction with a company that, you know, our knowledge plus their knowledge kind of creates a one plus one equals three environment. It's not just a transactional situation. That's hard to kind of discover on paper, but you know it in short periods of conversation. So. Well, to better encapsulate everything we've discussed so far, just how can businesses better evaluate potential partners to ensure that they share mutual goals, establish that trust we've been talking about? Uh, just what strategies can be implemented to cultivate that relationships, um, those kinds of relationships that are just built on that mutual trust and shared success? I think the industry has evolved in a good way in the sense of the last few years of thinking more turnkey projects and accountability. Those are words that are used with really good intention. I would just encourage in terms of a best practice to continue to push that envelope and move that thought process into, can I really understand how we can map and charter a project that has performance criteria, performance guarantees in our arrangement so that we know that we're meeting an outcome and less about the technical specs, which in our industry can be how fast equipment moves or the throughput, but more are the people adopting it? Are we getting the you know desired financial outcome? Are we getting to the result in the time period that we want? That would be point one. Point two would be 
are we really valuing um, the human dignity side of this project? Because automation, we can learn so much from other institutions and let's just say more mission critical industries that are solving complex problems and have for many years. And what they, the insights they tell you is that it's less to do with the equipment. It has everything to do with human capital and how you solve problems together because their insights kind of echo and reflect through what we do today, which is to say that um, you can give somebody the best equipment in the world, but if you don't have the right people and the right teams and the right training on board to adopt that and turn it into a culture of continuous improvement, um, it's really difficult to even have a, a chance of getting the results. You know, lastly, I would just say that, um, you know, from a key performance indicator uh, of the project is to get creative, make it your own. Um, it's it's too easy to maybe go think of what has worked in terms of a, the name of a key performance indicator that somebody's heard at an industry event or trade show. But in terms of your very own culture and what you're desiring from a project outcome, can you make the right KPI that incentivizes a behavior that you're trying to really find with your partner? Well, as we start to wrap up the conversation here, just kind of an overall encompassing uh, thought, just how does fostering a win-win partnership just not only benefit the businesses that we want to do, but also consumers and just the industry at large. And then uh, just following up on that, uh, just what kind of tools or resources do you recommend uh, to kind of supply that? I start to think about what affects change of these projects that a consumer would see. What a consumer is going to experience if you find the right partnership and projects is they're going to feel better quality or consistency in your product. And that could be in delivery consistency to a home uh, when we're making purchases online. It could be um, on-shelf availability uh, when you go to make a purchase in a store. It could be um, availability of product in, uh, in terms of what does your brand promise uh, in terms of service level when folks are out looking for you know, your products and services. All these are backed up by strong distribution capabilities and projects that in today's world of automation, that is the promise that we can fulfill, you know, and deliver. So, you know, making sure that we have the right methodology, that we start those discussions early, um, even using outside firms. There's many industry specialists. I'm thinking primarily of one in particular on more of the information system side in, in Gartner. Uh, Gartner is a company that really helps companies find, you know, the available software platforms or the right execution systems or even the right integration partners. Um, but also consistent, continuing to nurture your network um, and, and be open and willing to explore where even outside your industry, but with like complex challenges that we're trying to solve. What are the what are the truths? What are the the new um, disrupting technologies that they learned in the process of conducting a project that really unlock new ways to think about how to, to do projects. So thinking that comes from outside the industry, highly recommend that. Thinking that comes from a highly diverse set of project team members, also very valuable when we're talking about new technology, new automation, that in many cases has either not been super successful in the most recent past, or you're trying to really try to achieve new outcomes. 
outside perspectives. It's always a helpful resource. Well, that wraps up the conversation for today. So thank you to Jeremy for joining us on today's episode to talk about the supply chain, but with a special focus on the retail sector. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I enjoyed sharing ideas. Always good to see you, Gabby. Of course. And as always, if you want to learn more, please visit designedconveyor.com and look for this podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts at. I've been your host, Gabrielle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.